On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we look back at the Terps' weekend series win, a wild one offensively, on the road against Northwestern. Then we sit down with Terps' sophomore outfielder Randy Bednar to talk about his improvements this season with the Terps as he leads this team in homers. Plus, we're joined by Ohio State baseball beat writer Keaton Misano, who covers the team for the Lantern at Ohio State as we break down the Terps' upcoming home series against the Buckeyes. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. Here's your host, Connor Newcomb. Welcome into episode number 65 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, joined as always by Zach Solon. And Zach, we come off of another road weekend for the Terps and another road series win. And you know what? You got to say, first of all, it hasn't been very pretty. But the Terps are getting it done and they're getting series wins in the Big Ten. And that's what you need. Exactly, Connor. Wins are wins, and that's, you know, in the end, that's what it comes down to. Baseball, there's a lot of different ways to score runs, a lot of different ways to get outs, and a lot of different ways to win. And Maryland seems to be finding out just how many ways there are to do that. But against Northwestern, taking two out of three on the road, that is huge, and they did it this past weekend. Yeah, it was quite a weird weekend of three games. Uh, The Terps happened to do the same thing that they did last weekend in Champaign, where there was weather in the area, So they played one game Friday and two games on Saturday as I was there in Evanston with the Terps. And, Zach, things were a little different this Sunday than they were last Sunday. Last Sunday in Champaign, we had a little bit of rain. It stormed later in the day. Probably a good decision to not play, but they could have squeaked a game in. This Sunday in Evanston, the snow was coming down as we woke up on Sunday morning. Not a day for baseball. (laughs) Uh, Friday and Saturday, cold as well in the high 40s, low 50s. A lot of wind. In Evanston, the school Northwestern sits right on Lake Michigan. Uh, The athletic facilities are basically right on the lake. And a lot of wind comes in when there's weather in the area. And uh, the weather is not too pleasant sometimes. But it ended up being a pleasant weekend for the Terps because, as we said, the Terps took two of three. And as we record this podcast, a game that we will not mention after this, but the Terps fell 14-1 to at home to James Madison Uh, The midweeks lately have been a little tough for the Terps, but the ones that really matter are the weekend series. And the Terps now officially 18-18 and overall, and they sit in the Big Ten Conference feeling pretty good about themselves in conference play at 5-4 and and in fifth place in the Big Ten at the moment. So over the weekend in Evanston, it started off with a Friday game between Hunter Parsons and Quinn Lavelle on the mound. And going into that matchup, you think, well, we're going to get a pretty quick game in. Parsons has been great, obviously, one of the best starting pitchers in the Big Ten. And Lavelle has been a little up and down, but Quinn Lavelle threw a complete game shutout against the Terps in College Park last season. So you thought, oh, we're going to have a quick game. Uh, Zach, it was not a very quick game. (laughs) Absolutely. This game was back and forth. Runs scored all over the place. Uh, Maryland put up Double digits again, I believe, in the win, right? And then it was, it was an all-out brawl until Terps won 13-8. to eight. It was a back-and-forth game starting in the afternoon. Terps, at one point, were just scoring runs like there was no tomorrow and just kept going. 
Yeah, you say at one point. To be honest, it was at all points this weekend. Both <laughs> teams are scoring runs like there was no tomorrow. Again, Hunter Parsons and Quinn Lavelle in game one on Friday night. And the Terps, well, again, they didn't even get a runner to second base last year against Quinn Lavelle in that complete game shutout. Uh, the second batter of the game, Randy Bednar, singled. Then after a Taylor Wright strikeout, a Maxwell Costas RBI double made it one nothing, and the Terps not only had a runner at second, but had already scored on Quinn Lavelle in the first inning of that game. Justin Vogt had an RBI single. Josh McGuire an RBI triple, his first career triple. And all of a sudden, it was 3 nothing Terps. And you're looking at that with Hunter Parsons coming to the mound in the bottom of the first inning. And if you're the Terps, you're thinking... Three runs might be enough in this one inning for us to win the game with Parsons on the mound. And Parsons came out. He put up a zero in the first. Terps got another run in the second on an RBI single from A.J. Lee after a Ben Cowles triple. Parsons put up another zero in the second. Gave up one in the third, but it went to the fourth with the Terps up 4-1. to one. And you're feeling pretty good if you're Maryland at that point. 4-1 to one lead through three. You got Parsons on the mound. He's rolling pretty well. And then the offense explodes again in the top of the fourth inning. For the Terps, a two RBI double from A.J. Lee, an RBI double from Bednar, an RBI double from Wright, and an RBI single from Maxwell Costas. Terps started the inning with six consecutive hits in that frame, put up a five spot, and went up nine to one. Now, when you're up nine to one, Zach, with Hunter Parsons on the hill, you probably think this game is over in the fourth inning. And then in the bottom of the fourth, Northwestern returned with a six spot. And I got to say, it didn't look like the same Hunter Parsons for a couple of those at-bats, and that had to scare the Terps a little bit with him giving up six runs in one inning. You know, Connor, if you look back at Hunter Parsons' past couple of starts, it really comes down to one or two bad innings, and then he's really locked down the rest of the way, whether that inning is the first, the second, the third, or the fourth. It's always at some point in those early innings he gets a little rock, gives up a couple of runs. This time it just happened to be six in the fourth, and that was his one bad inning. He did bounce back after that, but... You have to wonder if it was it was too late, but obviously the score tells the story. Yeah, and that sixth inning for the Northwestern, or that fourth inning, excuse me, the six-run fourth inning for that Northwestern offense, they sent 10 to the plate in the inning, and there, there was an error in the frame that allowed the inning to continue on what could have been a double play ball hit to Taylor Wright. He stepped on the bag at third for one with the bases loaded, but the throw across the diamond was not in time. It got away from Maxwell Costas. The inning ended up continuing, and now that wouldn't have been the third out, but it would have helped Hunter Parsons a lot in that inning. And, of course, you can't assume the double play, so the error only allowed the runners to advance. And all six runs ended up being earned to Hunter Parsons in the frame. It ended up being an RBI fielder's choice for Leo Kaplan, and then a two-run single from Jack Dunn, an RBI single from Alex Arrow, and a two-run double from Sean Gusenberg. And all of a sudden, from 9-1, to one, it's 9-7. to seven. Northwestern answers Maryland's five with six of their own, but the Terps go right back to work offensively, as both teams did all weekend. In the fifth inning, after Chris Aline doubles and goes to third on a wild pitch, A.J. Lee singles him home for what already was his fourth RBI of the game and made it a 10-7 to Maryland lead. But I think the big thing about Hunter Parsons in this game, it was 10-7, to he had just given up six runs, he comes back out in the fifth, he puts up a zero. Terps go back in there in the sixth, RBI single from Caleb Walls makes it 11-7. to Hunter, back out in the sixth with a zero. Back out in the seventh with a zero. And that's what makes him so good. Even though he gives up a six-run inning, he comes back for you, and instead of letting it all collapse after that, he locks back in, gets a new inning, and puts up three straight scoreless that kept the Terps in the lead. Well, Connor, if you're Maryland, it's exactly what you need your ace to do, to bounce back from those bad innings, especially when he already has the run support behind him. This guy does not give up, and that's 
you know, why he's earned that Friday night starting spot for the Terps. That's why I think he deserves it, and he's going to keep doing that. You look back to, like I said, almost every start he's had, he's going to give up a couple runs, but as long as he has the run support behind him, Maryland is going to win every game that he plays. And Hunter Parsons ends up going seven innings. He gives up seven runs on eight hits, seven Ks, two walks, and a hit by pitch. Not his best, but he still went seven. And the Wildcats got a run in the eighth off of Sean Fisher out of the bullpen in that game. And all of a sudden, it made it 11-8 to on an RBI single from Jack Dunn. So it was a safe situation. But with two outs in the ninth, Randy Bednar delivered a two-run homer to make it 13-8. to Terp still brought John Murphy in because he was ready to go for the save. And he locked it down for the game one victory. So the Terps, despite the Hunter Parsons struggles, they got the victory with the 13-8 to win. And then they go on to games two and three, a doubleheader on Saturday. And you think, well, there's no way we can get another game like this. And, well, Zach, we got almost exactly another game like this. <laughs> Mike Doherty got the start of true freshman for Northwestern. Zach Thompson got the ball for the Terps. And the Terps did not score in the first inning in this one, but Northwestern jumped all over Zach Thompson. He left a two-strike fastball over the plate to Willie Bourbon in the first who hit a two-run homer. Then coming back in the second inning, a two-RBI triple from Casey O'Laughlin and then a sack fly from Jack Dunn made it 5 nothing through two innings. And it was 5 nothing all the way to the fifth and the Terps somewhat felt like maybe they were falling out of this game the series was going to be definitely tied but the Terps offense then woke up in that fifth inning a couple of solo homers Michael Pinero hit his second of the season Randy Bednar hit another home run and that made it five to two and then the Terps came back again in the sixth inning ended up with loading the bases then an RBI hit by pitch with cows the plate Pinero walks AJ Lee hit by a pitch all of a sudden, it's 5-5. Five to five. Terps would leave the bases loaded still with nobody out, but it was a 5-5 five to five ball game. And Zach Thompson did somewhat of a similar thing that Hunter Parsons did in his start. He gave up five runs in the first two innings, but then in the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, he puts up zeros. And that's big for the Terps to see because maybe they don't have the best starters in the nation, but these are guys who after adversity, we're able to lock in a couple of times this weekend and get some big zeros. Exactly what it comes down to for these Maryland weekend pitchers is the run support that they get from the offense. Maryland's offense scored 16 runs last week against William & Mary. And then, you know, they kind of been finding themselves lately. They really struggled. You look back at a couple of Zach Thompson starts, I'm going to note ECU and Creighton. Those two Saturdays, Maryland very much could have won if the Bats got a couple of more runs against their opponents because Zach Thompson was really, really good in those games. After maybe giving up one or two runs early, he came back. This time giving up five after the offensive display the Terps came or put on the day before. You know, it's not something that is totally out of the question if you're down 5 nothing in the fifth. And Maryland came back and tied it, and then Thompson shut it down from there until the bullpens came in. And in that sixth inning, the Terps had tied it 5-5 to with the bases loaded and still no outs. And then Randy Bettinar struck out, and then Northwestern went to the bullpen. And they brought in Nick Pachorik, who is the closer for this Northwestern team in a high-leverage situation. I like the move by Spencer Allen. He goes to the closer when he needs him 5-5. Five to five. Pachorik strikes out Taylor Wright, strikes out Maxwell Costas, and ends the inning, leaving the bases loaded and keeping it at a 5-5 five to five game. Zach Thompson put up a zero in the sixth, but then Pachorik was back out there, put up a zero in the seventh, and then Northwestern got to Zach Thompson in the bottom of the seventh inning, a two-RBI double off the bat of Sean Goosenberg after Thompson was out of the game. That hit came against Andrew Vale as he came out of the bullpen after Thompson went six and a third, gave up seven runs, five earned on five hits, struck out five, walked two, and hit one. And Northwestern got the big hit, and it looked like the Terps 
weren't able to hit Petrorek at all. He was basically striking out everyone. But then in the top of the eighth, with a runner on base and an 0-2 count on Maxwell Costas with the Terps, pretty much not being able to get anybody on base. They were really lucky to just have Randy Bednar on, who had walked earlier in the inning. Petrorek hangs a breaking ball to Costas. He deposits it out for a 7-7 ball game. Terps go to the bottom of the eighth, tied at seven. And after everything that had happened in that game, Terps felt like they really had a chance to win. And then some things came in the bottom of the eighth inning that were just a little out of Maryland's control. Andrew Vale came back out after he had gotten out of the jam to keep it at 7-5 in the seventh. Came back out of the bullpen in the bottom of the eighth inning. He gave up a single and then was pulled after giving up the single to Michael Troutwine in the lefty-lefty matchup. Sean Fisher came in. He hit Charlie Maxwell, who was just trying to bunt in that situation. But he ended up hitting it. Made it first and second. Leo Kaplan drops down a sack bunt. It's second and third in that situation with one away. And then Casey O'Laughlin hits a ground ball right at Ben Cowles with the infield in. He comes to the plate. Justin Vogt looks to clearly apply the tag to the runner, Michael Troutwine, who's coming home to the plate. Looked like he was clearly out. Would have made it first and third with two downs, still in a tie game. Instead, somehow the umpire calls him safe. And it's just hard to really bounce back mentally from a call like that. The inning got away from the Terps. But it was tough to see how that game was decided by a call that was, frankly, just missed at home plate. You said tensions were high. Justin Vogt not happy with with that call. And a lot of of tough calls in that game. And that's really what it came down to for the Terps. And you have to love the decision to go to Sean Fisher there after the weekend he had at Illinois. But then comes in, struggles a bit. And that's how Northwestern gets the rest of their runs. Yeah, and the call was unfortunate. But the Terps still had a chance to regroup, keep it at 8-7, to seven, maybe keep it at 9-7. to seven. Well, Jack Dunn got an RBI single on a bunt right after that that made it 9-7. to seven. You still feel like you're in the game because your offense has done so well. Nick Pachorek, the closer, has already pitched three innings, didn't have much left in the tank. You still think you have a chance. But Sean Fisher serves up a three-run homer to Alex Arrow that put the game away at that point at 12-7. to seven. Another run would be added in the inning to make it a 13-7 to ball game. And Northwestern would take the lead. Terps did load the bases against the Northwestern bullpen in the top of the ninth, but the Wildcats won it 13-7 to to even the series. And that was really a tough way to lose that game. And going down in the dugout, the Terps this year have been so good at getting through losses going on to the next game. But you could tell that one really stung a little bit extra because of that call at the plate. They felt like the inning would have completely changed had it been second and third with two away and the game still tied. They would have pitched to Jack Dunn differently and somehow gotten out of that inning. But the Terps just, you know, it was a little bit of a different feeling in that dugout. But a great way by the Terps to respond after having a game not go your way. They come back and get the W on Sunday. And no matter how it happened, it was another crazy game. But that shows resilience. A lot of teams in a doubleheader like that, you have a call clearly go against you. Maybe you hang your heads, but the Terps came right back out swinging. Exactly. You, like you said, two crazy games in the first two games of the series. We're playing a second one on Saturday. You have to think last game of the series, these guys might be tired. This one, there'll be a couple runs scored. We're not going to combine for 22 total. doesn't matter who's going to win, but exactly the opposite, Connor. Yeah, the... Wildcats and the Terps scored a lot of runs again coming out in that third game of the series, second of the doubleheader. Tommy Dele- or Tommy DeLise, excuse me, the freshman right-hander, got the start for Northwestern. Trevor Labonte, a freshman, got the start for the Terps. And Labonte gave up a run in the first inning, an RBI double from Willie Bourbon, but that was all the scoring until the dreaded fourth inning came. Remember on Friday, 11 combined runs scored in the fourth. 
And with the Terps down one nothing in that fourth inning, they went to work offensively against Delise, who could not get out of that fourth inning, didn't even record an out in that frame. It all started, really, with an error. A ground ball to the second baseman, Sean Goosenberg, off the bat of Taylor Wright. Looked like a pretty easy throw. He picked up the baseball, Zach, and he just lob-tossed it right in the Maryland dugout. I have not seen a throw ever from the second baseman be further away from the first baseman. Apparently it hit a box of pretzels in the Terps dugout. The pretzels exploded, and it fired the Terps up. Sometimes some weird (laughs) things get you fired up in baseball. (laughs) That's baseball. But it got the Terps fired up. Maxwell Costas followed with an RBI single to tie the game, and then Justin Vogt's two-run homer put the Terps up 3-1. to one. They would add a couple of more runs in the inning, and all of a sudden it was 5-1 to one Terps, but back come the Wildcats, as it happened every time that weekend. When one team has a big inning, the other one has to respond. It was a two-RBI triple from Michael Troutwine in the fourth, and then a sack fly from Kaplan made it 5-4 to four as we went to the fifth. No scoring in the fifth. And then the wildness of this game continued in the sixth inning with the Terps up 5-4. to four. Starting off the sixth was Ben Cowles, who was hit by a pitch. Panero singled. Randy Bednar was intentionally walked after a strikeout. And then Taylor Wright just poked an RBI single through the other way on an 0-2 pitch to make it a 6-4 to four ball game. And after Costas was hit by a pitch, Vote delivered an RBI single. McGuire walked to drive in a run. And by the end of the inning, it was a four-run frame for the Terps, and Maryland all of a sudden had a 9-4 to lead. And you feel like, okay, here's our big lead. Let's try and hold it. Well, Trevor Labonte came back out in the bottom of the sixth inning, was not able to hold that lead, gave up double walk-walk RBI single, and Labonte came out of the game. Mark DeLuya came in 9-5, to bases loaded, no outs, got a strikeout. But then a two-RBI single from Jack Dunn and a two-RBI triple from Alex Arrow. And by the time DeLuya got the final out of the inning, it was 9-9. to And, Zach, I know you weren't there, and I can tell you my emotion in the booth with Taylor Smythe was just <laughs> what else can possibly happen in this series? And it was just such wild back and forth the whole weekend. I know Illinois is, like, north. It's not really in the mountains. But there's something in the air that was just making – these games so crazy and making baseballs fly all over the place or what was it i i i couldn't tell you i mean the wind was making balls do crazy things but the wind wasn't blowing straight out it was swirling there was just you know it was one of those weekends where both teams just can't pitch and everybody wants to hit and you know what the winner was in double digits in every single game yep and sometimes that happens. So the Terps come back up in the top of the seventh of that game with a game tied at nine through six innings. Not a lot of defense, not a lot of pitching, but all of a sudden the inning starts. Ben Cowles, and what a time for your first career homer. He leads off the seventh with a solo shot to put the Terps up 10-9, to nine, but smartly Maryland knew that was not going to be nearly enough in a game like that with still three innings to play. So Randy Bednar delivered an RBI sack fly after a couple guys got on, and then a Maxwell Costas RBI double to right field. Scored A.J. Lee from first, had him fired up, and the Terps went up 12-9 to in the top of the seventh inning. DeLuya got a zero in the seventh, faced only three batters, which was big. Then the Terps went to John Murphy for six outs, and he was huge in that one. He did give up a run in the eighth that made it 12-10, to but got a big strikeout to finish off the game in the ninth inning. Struck out Troutwine and then Maxwell in a 1-2-3 ninth, and the Terps won 12-10. to to win the series, and i got to say, Zach, it was the Terps' wildest series of the year, no question. I mean, Maryland, in three games, 
they ended up scoring 32 runs. And they only won two of the three games because Northwestern, on the other end, scored 31 runs. And it was just a ridiculous three games to play. But the Terps came out with two. And you know what? Sometimes you just don't look at the scores. Corey Muscara probably doesn't want to look at the box scores of these games. He just wants to remember they took two of three on the road in the Big Ten and got over 500. And right now, if the season ended, the Terps would be headed to Omaha for the Big Ten tournament, something they didn't get to do last year. Exactly. This is a huge uh, series win for them. I believe if I read it right, it's the first time since 2006 that they won back-to-back road series. Just a huge, huge momentum boost for the Terps that they're going to need going into not just midweek games, but really Big Ten weekend games. They've got three more series at home and a couple more on the road. But if they're able to just bounce back like they did after that first game in the doubleheader into the second one and you know have Hunter Parsons keep doing what he does on Friday nights, then these Terps are going to be in pretty good shape for the rest of the season. The 32 runs in three games, the most the Terps have scored in a three-game weekend series since 2015 on the road against Ohio State, a team the Terps will see this weekend, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And as you said, the back-to-back road series in back-to-back weekends, it's the first time the Terps have done that since 2006 when the Terps beat Jacksonville and then started the ACC schedule with a series win over Duke on the road in back-to-back weekends, 13 years since they had done that, so a big weekend for the Terps and of course it was a huge offensive weekend so Zach I'm sure we're gonna go with hitters for our Terps of the week uh some pitchers did some good things John Murphy had a good weekend but when there's that many runs scored I don't think you can go with any pitchers so Zach do you have a Terp of the week I'm gonna go with Maxwell Costas I think the Big Ten also went the with Big Ten told us that also well. for the he won Big Ten freshman of the week again but this past uh week entirely he hit 412 with eight RBIs. I had talked to him before one of the midweek games last week, and he said, he admitted to me, he'd been in a slump as of late. He was really trying to break out of it, and he said he was doing that by just looking at as many pitches as he can, getting a lot of work in the cage, and then trying to just pick his spots, and he finally did, and he really seemed to break out of that slump this, this weekend, getting eight RBIs over the week, and he seems really pumped up and ready to become a huge, huge, huge power factor in this Maryland lineup again. Now I'm going to go with a guy who's been in the lineup most of the year but has really been struggling at the plate and finally broke out this week. And the Terps freshman second baseman, Ben Cowles, finally was able to break out. He's my Terp of the week. In the Friday game for Cowles, he had a double and a triple and was hit by a pitch, got on base three times. In game one on Saturday for Cowles, hit by a pitch and walked, had an RBI. And then in the final game of the series, he was on base four times, Two singles, two RBIs, a home run, and a hit-by-pitch. He's tied for the Big Ten lead with Maxwell Costas and hit-by-pitches. So even though the average still isn't up there, he's been getting on base a lot this season. Cal's had a solid weekend defensively, and he really got it going at the plate, and hopefully for the Terps he can improve that going forward. Because if the Terps can get production from him at the bottom of the lineup, they could have more weekends like this where they're hitting this well. Absolutely. When Maryland is firing on all cylinders, they've gotten the production from the top of the lineup pretty much all season, especially since A.J. Lee moved into the leadoff spot. He's been doing really well. Taylor Wright, Randy Bednar, you're always going to get good production from those guys. Now Costas is breaking out of a slump, but it's guys like Cowles, Panero, who's seen some action as of late. It's when those guys are able to get big hits and come up in big situations is when it's going to be really, really vital for the Terps to win and come across as a huge threat that can put up a lot of runs. Well, a guy that had five hits, two homers, and five RBIs over the weekend is another guy who's been an offensive threat for the Terps this year. The team's leader in home runs this season with seven is Randy Bednar, and luckily for us, he was our guest this week on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast as I had a chance to talk with Randy about 
how much he has improved from last year to this year when, of course, last season he struggled and really wasn't a starter by the end of the season, but this year has maybe been the Terps' best hitter, at least the Terps' best power hitter. And then his defensive changes as well. He's had to play some right, had to play some center, and getting used to both of those positions. And then really just being a big piece for the Terps this year, coming off what he would maybe consider a little bit of a disappointing freshman season. So here's my conversation with Terps' sophomore outfielder, Randy Bednar. Bednar hits one high in the air to left field. Going back, Kaplan at the track, at the wall, it's gone. Two-run home run, Randy Bednar. And the Terps lead it 13-8 as Bednar has his team leading sixth home run of the season. 1-0 to Bednar, cranks it to left field. Going back, McDonald, a three-run shot for Randy Bednar. That's how you play the game, Taylor. 4 nothing Terps. <laughs> in the third inning. So Randy, thanks so much for joining us this week on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. An interesting location for the recording of this yeah. one as we sit on the bus on the way to George Mason. But, Definitely, uh, of course. Uh, I want to start, obviously, with, with this weekend in Northwestern. Uh, have you ever been a part of an offensive weekend like that? You guys scored 32 runs in three games. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's crazy. This year's kind of been like a parody. We've been on the opposite end of that a few times, and then we've been on the scoring end of that a few times. But, you know, um, having an offensive explosion like that, it's you know, it's kind of crazy and um, exciting at the same time because you're seeing all these guys around you um, being able to swing the bat, um, put in runs, doing anything uh, to help the team win. I think it's just uh, a great thing when you see all your other teammates, um, including yourself, uh, being able to perform at a high level like that. Do you feel like it picks everybody up offensively? Because this weekend, it seemingly got Ben Cowles out of a little bit of a slump. It got Michael Panero out of a slump. Do you feel like it just picks up all nine hitters? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. I think it's just a contagious thing where, um, you know, you see uh, some of the other uh, hitters in the lineup being able to do their thing and uh, run off their plan. And um, then you say, like, hey, if they can do it, you know, maybe I can do it. And, you know, it kind of picks them up, gives some other people a little bit more confidence for sure. And now this season as a whole, you hit a couple of home runs this weekend. You're up to seven on the year to lead this team, a team that has a lot of power bats. Now, you've got the lead. A couple of guys sitting around you, Justin Vogt, Maxwell Costas, right on your tail. <laughs> uh, you think you're going to have that home run lead by the end of the season? Uh, you know, I, I'm just going to do my best. And I know, like, at any point in time, you know, they can go off uh, – you know, they're just that talented. Justin Vogt, you know, he's got a lot of power. Maxwell Costas, he's got a lot of power. So, you know, at any point at the time of the season, you know, they might be able to put up, like, two, three home runs in a weekend. So um, I think it's just uh, something really good to compete about. Um, it's just like a friendly competition. But, uh, yeah, they, they definitely got a bunch of talent. Um, should be fun to see how it pans out. Uh, Maxwell behind you is motioning that he thinks he's going to take over that lead yeah. at some point. But... You know, that probably means a lot of winning if you guys continue to compete. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If we keep lead. doing that, for sure, I'll love it. Uh, so let's go back to back to high school at Landon. Your recruiting process and eventually choosing Maryland, what was that like? You know, how many decisions were involved for you before you finally decided on College Park? Yeah, so um, I committed, you could say, pretty early, kind of like towards the end of my freshman year, going into the summer. Um at that point in time, Maryland was interested in maybe just a few other small schools. But um, I remember this was when uh, Chef was still a uh, head coach. But um, I remember Vaughn coming to one of my games. 
um, freshman year. And um, it was crazy because I was actually hurt and I wasn't playing and he didn't even know it. And so he's like, why isn't Bednar playing? He's like, oh, yeah, my back's broken. I had like a stress fracture in my L4 spine. But uh, um, I thought that was just kind of something funny uh, during the recruiting process. But um, I eventually came to Maryland um, with one of the camps. So I did the camp at Maryland, and then afterwards I kind of took a tour of the campus and then sat down with all the coaches. And, you know, just from that experience right there, um, I kind of knew, like, this was kind of home for me. You know, it's kind of like baseball in my backyard where um, I'm only 20 minutes away from my actual house. Um, my family can come see me. Um, I just love the campus, uh, the total, total environment, culture that um, – Maryland baseball is built around, you know, that blue-collar environment, I think, just works out perfectly for me. Um, so, you know, everything that I saw when I was at that visit kind of just encapsulated what I wanted to do uh, playing baseball moving forward. And you said it was a little early, and during your freshman year is, you know, not super early for a lot of college athletes yeah. now, but still a little early in the process. Did, did you ever... I know, obviously, you never decommitted, but did you ever waver from that? Did you ever worry that it was committed too early? Did you feel like your last three years of high school, like, I'm a Terp and I'm going to be a Terp? Yeah, definitely. All the way through, I mean, I was going to be a Terp. I mean, the only point I could think about is uh, when I actually thought about it for a moment was when uh, Chef obviously left for Virginia Tech. But, you know, I decided, like, you know, I'm gonna, I decided to go to Maryland, so I'm just going to stick with going to Maryland. I... I believe in the guys around us and the guys running the program now. So, you know, it wasn't really that hard of a decision for me. So that was your decision, and really the last thing that maybe came at you was after your senior year, you get picked in the 27th round by the Braves in the MLB draft. Was there ever a thought there of not going to school, or was that just, I got picked, that's good, let's go to Maryland? Yeah, no, I just, that late in the round, I was just like, yeah, definitely, let's just go to Maryland. Um, I kind of told um, some other people, like, I was already kind of set on going to Maryland, so it wouldn't really make sense to pick me any higher. So it was kind of, I guess, like maybe just a courtesy pick or something like that. But, you know, from that, I already knew, you know, basically from that point forward I was going to Maryland. So you get to College Park in the fall last year, and coming in you're listed as a two-way player. Did, was that something you wanted to do coming into college? You felt like maybe it was one of your goals to get on the mound a little bit at all? Yeah, I mean, coming out of high school and – Coach coming up to you saying, hey, uh, we want you to pitch and hit. Sounds like really, really good. Um, so I definitely wanted to try it out, you know. Um, at that time and my basically my ent whole entire life, I think my heart um, kind of sided more with the hitting side of things. But um, I still wanted to pursue both things for as long as I could. And, um, you know, it was kind of like a happy medium where, you know, if I wasn't hitting that well, I can go out and throw and it kind of be like a release for me. Or if I wasn't pitching that good, I can go out and hit, and that would be a release for me. I think it was just kind of a healthy mix. And we know you got on the mound once last year, not at all this year, and you've pretty much molded yourself into a full-time yeah. hitter. But is it ever in the back of your mind? Do you ever tell Moose that maybe if we completely run out of arms, <laughs> you might be ready out of the bullpen? Yeah, sometimes I joke with them, like, hey, maybe a few more innings on the mm -hmm. mound. But uh, uh, in all seriousness, like, uh, I'm really, really happy with, you know, just being a position player, uh, playing the outfield and uh, hitting in the lineup, you know, if I'm doing that, you know, I'm a happy man. And, you know, talking about being a position player, you came in last year, and in the beginning of the season, you really won an outfield starting spot for the Terps in your freshman year, and you got a lot of playing time, and the power was there. You had six homers last season, but the average was a little down. The strikeouts were up, and 
in the middle of the season, you know, you, you seemingly struggled at the plate for a little while. Did you kind of feel those struggles? And did you were you able to identify kind of what was going on at the plate last season? Yeah. I mean, last season, obviously, it was uh, something, you know, kind of like a learning experience for me. Um, but during the season, you know, I was kind of like in a hole. I was really, really struggling. And I couldn't really figure out why. And it was like kind of like for the first time in my life where I really, truly saw and meant what it meant to struggle. And so I didn't really start to, you know, figure out or diagnose the problems until, you know, the middle of uh, my summer season. I kind of figured out that, like, you know, you know, I was just pressing too hard, trying too hard, you know, focused on the results too much. And uh, from the from there, I just decided to make a change because um, what I was doing wasn't working out anymore. And so, um, you know, the biggest things I could think of from last year to this year is the three things I kind of live by and I right in the top of my brim my hat. First one is uh, be confident. So anything you do, whether that's pitching, hitting, outfield, you always have to have that confidence because, you know, you could be have the all the talent in the world, but it doesn't matter if you don't have the confidence because um, you don't believe in yourself. So and that confidence comes from, uh, you know, your preparation on the field. That confidence comes from uh, mental preparation, visualizing yourself, um, running off that plan, visualizing yourself, uh, performing to the best of your ability. So that's one of the first things I tried to do was uh, play with confidence. And, you know, honestly, I had to, you know, control my emotions at the same time because, uh, you know, I would go 0 for 4 one day and I'd be down in the dumps and the next day I'd go 3 for 4 and it would just be all, like, all happy. And I kind of had that, find that uh, middle ground in between. Uh, the second thing uh, was in the brim of my head is keep it simple. A lot of the times, you know, I'd be thinking about 20 different things in the box and honestly, like, when you do that, that's not going to work. Um, so, when I'm going good, all the only thing I'm thinking about really is seeing the ball and hitting it. It's just that plain simple. If I'm able to do that and keep everything else simple, my body can work for itself. And then the last thing is just have fun. Like last year, you know, I played my best when I'm having fun. And last year, like having the season I had, it was definitely not a lot of fun. But uh, it just kind of compounded based on my mindset. And um, that's one of the biggest things I tried to work on is just having fun. Um, you know, we kind of forget that we're playing college baseball and not a lot of people have the opportunity to do this. So, you know, it just kind of puts things in perspective for me. Um, but, you know, being able to take the field and wonder, like, how grateful I am. And uh, it's just those three things, I think, were kind of like the biggest things. And having those three things in your hat, is that something that maybe sometimes you'd take it off the outfield and look at or look at when all, you're in the dugout? All the time, all the time, you know. Um, I take it off, look at it before every game, read it. Maybe uh, I start off the day not so hot. I take it off kind of like a daily reminder. And so it's just, it just reminds me, you know. We're playing college baseball. It's a bunch of fun. Not a lot of people get to do this. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think it's a great thing. And so it seems like you really took a look at the mental side this summer and kind of got yourself back to, as you said, just having fun and it's paying off at the plate. But also, were there any more physical, technical adjustments? Because just looking from up above at your swing yeah. last year to your swing this year, it's obviously been more successful, but it also just, you look a little different at the plate. What what were those changes between your freshman and sophomore yeah, year? Yeah, so, you know, I 
coming in, I had the high hands and the crazy leg kick and the crazy bat tip. Um, you know, that's the way I was taught hitting, you know. But um, after last season, you know, I was like, all right, I got to make a few adjustments. Uh, you know, this isn't high school ball anymore. Um, so I just wanted to have a swing that was easy, simple, and repeatable at the same time. Um, and I felt like, you know, lowering those hands, having less of a leg kick, and just um, creating the most simple swing possible is the best route for me. And obviously, you know, it wasn't an overnight success, but I gradually got 1% better each and every day. Um, and I, st I still am trying to improve and, uh, you know, refine everything I have right now. But um, I'm definitely, uh, on, definitely on the right path from last year, and um, I'm feeling good about my swing as it is right now. And, and changing that stance, changing that swing, it can be a big commitment, especially if you've been doing one thing for a while. So was there ever a point in the offseason or maybe even in a game this year where, you know, you had a good swing or something just, like, clicked where, you know, this is the right way to go with this and I'm definitely going to continue with this at the plate? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, actually, like, when I first made that adjustment, um, it wasn't even in any game situations. It was in between summer ball and uh, fall ball. And so, like, I wasn't really going to – I didn't really know how uh, it was going to go when I faced live pitching, but we got into, uh, you know, fall inner squads. You know, I had some success. Um, we got into the season and started off really, really hot. So um, I was like, this is this is my swing. Like, this is the way to go. And, you know, I'm going to ride or die with this one um, and make small adjustments on the way. But, um, you know, I have more confidence than ever right now in my swing. Um and I feel like, you know, like I said, I'm just on the right track. And now when you come up to the plate, you talked about the confidence. How much higher is it when you come to the plate this year than it was at points last year? Like all the time, you know, no doubt creeps into my mind. Um, I just go up there thinking, like, I'm just going to run off this plan no matter what, doing anything I can to uh, win the ball game and help my teammates. You know, I think, you know, that's one of the biggest things that sometimes may be underlooked, you know, when the f when sometimes when someone's struggling they might look at hey your swing or something physical that you do but uh you know a lot of the times it's just something that you know that's mental whether that's a lack of confidence or um you know something that you're thinking about up there i think that's uh just as if not more important than anything physical now i want to talk defense a little bit because you've played a large chunk of the season in right field, but you started in center and now with some injuries, you're back in center field for the Terps. And I know that was the position you played in high school. So when you go out there in right field versus when you go out there in center field, are there any differences when you go out there? Are, are you more the general of the outfield when you're in center field or what kind of differences do you have out there? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, coming in um, freshman year, you know, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really used to playing right field because I played center field all of high school. But um, as the season went on, I kind of gradually, gradually got used to it. Now I feel really, really comfortable there. Um, and so right now when I'm switching back and forth, you know, um, since Bubba's out, you know, that's been a big loss for us. But he'll be coming back soon, hopefully, uh, helping us out a lot. But um, when I'm switching back and forth, you know, I've had experiences at both. So, I mean, I feel um, I trust myself and I'm pretty comfortable out there in both situations. Um just because, you know, I get a lot of reps out there from both positions, so I kind of I know how the balls move, and I kind of know the dimensions of our field. And so, uh, you know, I'm definitely very comfortable in either position out there. And now, defensively this year, you've made, a, made an up a couple of nice plays, especially robbing a home run in that Indiana series. Now, you've yeah. hit seven, and you've robbed, well, you almost robbed another one that yeah, was uh, iffy if it was a home run or not, and you robbed the one 
uh, against Indiana. Now, better feeling for you when you hit a homer or when you take one away? As you know, that's a hard one. Um, I think it kind of depends on the situation. Like, uh, you know, if you hit a home run late in the game with the team down and you guys are up, I think that's good. But if you also rob a home run, you know, um, when it's like a tie ball game and then that would have put them up, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like which one is which. But uh, both, that's hard. That's a hard question because, like, robberies, you know, they might be uh, – there are um, not that as common as home runs. So um, – I think it just depends, but both of them are uh, definitely a great feeling. Well, hopefully you get more of each <laughs> throughout the season so you can yeah. you can make a decision maybe which one yeah. you like more. But finally, I mean, you guys right in the thick of big, big Ten play right now. Back-to-back -back Big Ten Road Series wins, which are obviously huge for you guys. And you guys sit in the top eight, and that's obviously where you want to be after missing the Big Ten tournament last mm -hmm. year, sitting in fifth in the Big Ten right now. So as you kind of assess the team as a whole, where do you think you guys are now and how good do you guys think you can be and how much better do you think you can get throughout this year? You know, your coaches always say this, like um, we're starting to move the pendulum in the right direction. We're starting to go into the right direction, you know. But we're, we haven't stood – I believe we haven't even started playing our best brand of baseball yet. And you can look at that as a good thing because a lot of the times it's a good thing to play your best brand of baseball towards the end of the season. But, um, yeah, Considering that, you know, we're in the top eight right now um, and we're only getting better and better each and every day, it's just kind of promising to look at. Well, Randy, thanks so much for joining us this week on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast in an interesting location here yeah, as we're on the bus definitely. to George Mason. Appreciate it. Thank you. So our thanks again to Terp sophomore outfielder Randy Bednar for Joining us here on episode number 65 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. And of course, Zach, Randy has been so good this season for the Terps at the plate. He's hitting 269 as we record this podcast with a team high seven homers and a team high 33 RBIs, a 355 on base percentage for a guy who's played both right field and center field this season. But Randy has been such a key offensively for the Terps out of that two hole. He brings some speed, brings some power. He can hit the ball all over the field. He has just improved so much from last year to this year and been huge for Maryland. Absolutely. When you have a guy like that who really took over as an everyday player, he made some starts towards the end of the year last year in right field, but totally locked down that spot this year when the Terps lost the rest of their outfield pretty much. He was the one guy who you knew was going to be there every day, and there's been no question about it. He has proved it every step of the way. Slumped a little bit in the middle of the season so far that of what's been the season at least. And he's breaking out of that shell again, and he has just been an excellent spot. The exact guy you want to have in the two-hole if you're Rob Vaughn in the Terps. Yeah, and Randy seems like he's hitting everything right now, and the Terps are going to need him to continue that this weekend as Maryland plays a three-game series back at the Bob against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, this Buckeyes team has had a pretty interesting season so far. As two weeks ago, if you just look at their last two weeks, two weeks ago they were swept at home by Northwestern. The Wildcats in there got in there and got a huge series win. But since then, the Buckeyes won a couple of midweek games against in-state opponents, Ohio and Dayton, and then took two of three at home against one of the best teams in the Big Ten in the Michigan Wolverines, and now took a midweek this week over Xavier as well. So this Ohio State team is playing fairly well over the last week. 
And the Buckeyes will come in to College Park after the win over Xavier on the season. With a record of 21-17, and 17, they are 4-5 and five in the Big Ten, sit one game back of the Terps in the Big Ten standings. And this is another one of those interesting teams. But, Zach, you know, the Terps have struggled a little bit at home this season, 6-10 and 10 at the Bob. They need to write that this weekend. Absolutely. Maryland has been playing very, very poorly at home. There's no shying away from that. So Ohio State, a Big Ten opponent coming in, and Maryland has played two straight back-to-back -back weekend road series in the Big Ten, and they won them both. So if the momentum is in favor of anyone here, i got to give it to Maryland, even though Ohio State just beat Michigan, because Ohio State is still trying to battle through those struggles. So right now, it's two teams that both have pretty solid starting pitching, and it's going to come down to the bats, in my opinion. It's going to be who can attack the balls, who can attack the mistakes the other pitchers throw, and I think Maryland has a lot better chance of doing that than Ohio State. Yeah, unlike the Wildcats and the fighting Illini in the last couple of weeks. Ohio State pretty much has a set weekend rotation, as does Maryland at this point. So there's not really question marks there. It's more about what the bats can do, what the defense can do, what the bullpen can do. Really for both of these teams who have had somewhat pretty similar seasons this year so far in 2019. Of course, different 2018s for both these teams. Terps missed the Big Ten tournament. Ohio State made it to an NCAA regional last year and looking to get back there this season as are the Terps trying to get back for the first time since 2017. But to break down the Ohio State Buckeyes, I had a chance to talk to Keaton Misano, who covers this Ohio State Buckeyes team for The Lantern, the student newspaper at The Ohio State University. And he gave me some good insight on the Buckeyes and what to expect this weekend when they come to College Park to take on the Terps. So here is my conversation about Buckeyes baseball with Keaton Misano of The Lantern. So our thanks to Keaton Misano for joining us this week on the podcast. Keaton, thanks so much for taking some time out of your week. Yeah, thanks for having me, Connor. So let's get to the Buckeyes who, the more and more I look at this Ohio State team, the more and more I look at their up and down stretches, and it looks almost exactly like Maryland. The Buckeyes are 21-17 and 17 right now, 4-5 and five in the Big Ten Conference. And first, I want to talk about the weekend they're coming off of. Obviously, got a midweek win over Xavier this week, but two of three from Michigan. And, you know, looking up and down this schedule, it seems like that's probably the best series win of the year so far for the Buckeyes. Yeah, definitely. I think there was a big concern following that Northwestern series where they got swept at home. The, the echoes in the locker room were that it's – it was a week that they were going to really do some soul-searching. It was kind of like a turning point. The season could either go on a complete nosedive or they are going to turn it around. They were able to get a come-from-behind come win against Ohio, also one against Dayton, and then the big series against Michigan, which was probably their biggest test of the season, and they were able to take two of three and play maybe their best baseball in two of those games that they have all season. So I think they've righted the ship enough, and there's a lot of confidence coming into this weekend against Maryland. And obviously, after getting swept at home by Northwestern two weeks ago, as you just talked about, this team has won five of six. So kind of in general, what what part of the game do you think flipped a switch that has allowed them to turn it on recently? It, it's been the bullpen. The Northwestern series, the bullpen, it, it fell apart. I mean, it was the biggest concern coming into this season, and it, it reared its ugly head against Northwestern. I mean, they lost 83% of their innings pitched, um, from last season, so they have a lot of new guys stepping up, a lot of young pitchers, and and the Northwestern series, I think the bullpen had an ERA of 23. I mean, they they couldn't get out of their way from like big innings, and that really doomed them in that series. 
And since then, they've been very solid. I mean, they've had guys step up. We've had we've had pitchers just really just be able to go longer than they've been able to go all season. And avoid the beginnings has really been the mantra for Ohio State when they're winning games. If they can avoid any inning above three runs, they're usually able to win the game. But there's just times where they just can't get out of their own way. And that's what showed its ugly head against Northwestern, but that's what they've been able to avoid five last six games. And you talk about the bullpen, and it seems like you know some of the issues, as you said, has been around pitching. But this offense has been very good all season. They hit 275 as a team this year. They've got four guys hitting over 300. But it's kind of interesting when you look at the stats. It seems like they have about four guys, maybe five guys who are starting every day. And then other than that, you know, there's a lot of guys with you know anywhere between 14 and 20 starts kind of in this lineup. But They've got four guys over 300. It seems like the hitting has been pretty consistent for Ohio State. Yeah, the offense like starts and ends with Dominic Canzone and Brady Cherry. Those are the those are their two guys. Those are the guys that have been consistent all year. Dominic Canzone's on a 34 on base um, streak. I mean, he's he's just been really on a tear. I think in his last six games, 15 for 27, and he's he and Cherry are their long ball hitters. Those are guys that. No matter how the Buckeye season's been going, those guys have been consistently being being able to get it done. And then as far as just the starts go, it's been Ohio State's had some injury problems. They lost their shortstop Noah West for the season with a knee injury, so they've been moving freshman third baseman um, Zach Gazendo over to short. So they've been kind of uh, rotating between um, Nick Irwin and Marcus Ernst at third base. But yeah, the Buckeye bats have definitely been something that's been heating up and. They were able to put two 10 balls on Michigan, and that's a pitching step that has been excelling this season. So offensively, the Ohio State Buckeyes have been consistent. It's just it's really how well their pitching staff will show up is really is as good as they will get. And and keeping on this offense, you talked about the home run ball. Canzone has nine of them. Cherry has eight of them. And then Dezenzo has six of them in there. Now, how much do you feel like this offense relies on the long ball? Are they a team, you know, the Terps saw a team like Indiana a couple weeks ago that it's just home runs and that's what their offense is. Is that the Buckeyes team or do they play a little small ball as well? I think they can do it both ways. I've talked to a lot of the players. They think that their identity is a long ball team, but they have the ability to play small ball. They have players in the lineup who, if they need to move guys over, they have guys that can get down bunts. They have had games where they don't need the long ball to score, but and when they're at their best, they're able to hit it out of the park. They're, the uh, recent series, they've been able to hit multi-home run games, and that really energizes us, I think, the whole roster, and that's really what's been helping them on this win streak. And I think they have a few guys in this lineup with Canzone and Sherry who have really been able to hit it well. And um, Zach Desenzo's got six home runs, but he's hit five of those at home. So it's really a matter of if they can translate that home run hitting onto the road. I mean, I know that Canzone and Sherry will be able to. It's just outside of them, it's not as much as the long ball as it is being able to just hit around the lineup and just knock guys in. And this has been a very good offensive team, and I want to switch to the pitching now if we can. And, you know, this it kind of looks like Maryland where – Starting rotation-wise, now, the Ohio State guys' numbers are a little better than the Terps' weekend starters, but as a whole, in general, the Terps have been playing some teams recently that really haven't settled into three guys on the weekends. Maryland kind of has that. They have their Friday, Saturday, Sunday set up, and it seems like Ohio State kind of has that as well right now. Yeah, they have, there's three starters with Burhan, Lonsway, and Griffin Smith. They Those guys have been solidified at this point in the season. Ohio State's been kind of doing some soul-searching for the week, 
for the weekday games. But as far as the weekend goes, you know what you're going to get from Ohio State. You're going to get Seth Wansley, who can catch fire and punch punch out like double-digit guys a game. And you have Garrett Burhan, who's going to give you a consistently long start. Griffin Smith's been a little bit uh, up and down this season, but he's also a guy that they know is their number three guy, and they haven't really wavered on that this season. Yeah, and I want to talk about Burhan a little bit because he's got the 57 innings. He's right up there with Maryland's Hunter Parsons at the top of the innings leadership board in the Big Ten, and he kind of seems like a guy like Hunter Parsons. You know, he's not going to go up there and strike out every batter he faces, maybe more of a contact guy, but seemingly just one of those guys that you really want to have on Friday nights in the Big Ten. Yeah, Burhan has been – the whole the whole um, messages going into this season was the talent of this young pitching staff for Ohio State, and Garrett Burhan being a true freshman. It's really just that that talent would translate – into good performances, and for Bearhan, it really has. I mean, he has been probably the most consistent pitcher for Ohio State. He, you know, you're going to get a good outing from him. He's not going to go short. He's going to give yourself. He's going to give the team a good outing. He's not going to put them behind in the bullpen. And he's he, like you said, he's not going to get out there and he's not going to strike out ten guys. But what he's going to do is he's going to make sure people are hitting it to field players, and he's going to avoid giving up big runs so that the team can stay within within themselves and. Not, put the offense within reach to really just do some damage. And now, you know, obviously Ohio State hopes they can get some long starts out of these guys, but especially in the Big Ten, sometimes it's hard to get three consecutive deep starts, so they have to go to the bullpen, and that's what you said was the big key difference between that Northwestern and that Michigan series. And looking at it now, I mean, you know, not great numbers in the Ohio State bullpen at the moment, but... Game close, Buckeyes have the lead at the end. Who are they going to in the 8th or the ninth inning? I think their biggest trust right now is in Andrew Magno. I mean, that's the guy they've been consistently going to. He's got six saves on the season, earned his sixth save last night. And I think they really trust his stuff. And he really can come in and dominate a game. He can punch guys out. So I think they trust him more than any guy. But they've had guys who've been playing well late. I mean, after the Northwestern series, I think they did some soul-searching. I think some guys really looked looked at themselves in the mirror and said, hey, we got to start stepping up. They've had good outings from Thomas Wani. He made his first career start last night, usually a bullpen guy, and he didn't learn that he was starting until three hours before the game. He went four innings, gave up one hit, and they have guys like Will Fenning who's had a good outing recently. They have guys who have the potential to play well, but sometimes with them it just rains it towards. But I think their biggest trust is in Andrew Magno, and if the game's on the line ninth inning, they're going to turn to him. And so now, you know, we've been through – some of this team so far and and you look back to Ohio State last year obviously they had kind of a heartbreaking end of their season in the NCAA regional last year but were a regional team this year obviously the start wasn't as hot and it it almost seems like it's going to be really tough for them to get an at-large bid but does it feel like this is a team that with this offense could still get hot and you know make a run getting to the Big Ten tournament I think that's the belief of the team I think they've shown themselves that this last week. I think there was some probably some doubt after that Northwestern series. I think going into the season, that was their goal, was to make the NCAAs. But after the Northwestern series, they were probably looking themselves in the mirror saying, maybe we're, we're not ahead of schedule. Maybe we really do have another year with all this young pitching staff. But I think after seeing what they can do against top flight teams like Michigan, I think they believe if they can get the bullpen working with their offense and their starting pitching, they can really catch fire and make deep run of the Big Ten tournament and hopefully make the NCAAs tournament and now you know looking at this weekend in college park this is obviously a huge series the terps are five and four in the big 10 ohio state's four and five if one team sweeps the other it kind of puts the other team in a 
pretty tough spot in the Big Ten schedule. But looking at this weekend and it being so important for both of these teams, when you look at Ohio State, what would you say would be the one key for the Buckeyes to have to do to come away from College Park with a series win? I think looking to the bullpen, but more specifically, eliminating the beginnings. I think when they've been really struggling this season, they're giving up most of their runs in one or two innings. They'll give up five runs. If they can avoid and stop the bleeding, maybe just give up one run, turn those five run innings into just one or two runs. They can keep themselves close so that when their bats do erupt, it's enough to get them back ahead. I think that's what they've really been trying to eliminate. That's what Coach Beals has been um, preaching to the team is just, hey, let's eliminate, let's be more consistent. Consistency has been the problem with this team, and it, it really shows a microcosm within the game that sometimes that consistency can be good for eight innings, and then one inning it just falls apart for them. So I think Ohio State's really going to be stressing to get on top of the Terps early and then to just eliminate any big run so they can just keep consistent and not allow the momentum to switch in a way that would be costly for the Buckeyes. Well, it's going to be an important series this weekend, and it should be a good one in College Park. Keaton, thank you so much for taking some time out of your week to come on and talk about the Buckeyes. Yeah, thank you for having me. So our thanks again to Keaton for coming on the podcast this week to talk some Buckeyes baseball, as the Terps and the Buckeyes will meet for three games this weekend in College Park. And as you heard in that conversation, Ohio State, a pretty solid weekend rotation right now. they feel like three guys they can get some good innings out of and they can rely on every weekend and you know this batting order for Ohio State they've got some good bats in there it just feels like they haven't been able to maybe put it all together at the same time some weekends but they're coming off a big weekend two of three against Michigan which is a pretty good team in the Big Ten these are two teams playing pretty well right now at least in Big Ten play and it's going to be a really really important series for the Terps at the Bob. We talked about how much they need home wins, but just for a couple teams sitting right in the middle of those Big Ten standings, these are the kind of series last year that Maryland Zach was not able to win. You kind of think back to a couple of series last season for the Terps. I think back to that Purdue series. The Terps had a chance to maybe win a series last year and instead were swept at home. I think back to the Illinois series last year at home where the Terps had a good chance to win a series. They ended up losing two of three at home. So you feel like the Terps really need to take a big home series like this this weekend against the Buckeyes. Exactly. Ohio State's got some really good hitters in their lineup and a really solid weekend rotation. But it's nothing that Maryland hasn't seen before. They're used to Big Ten opponents like this. They're used to good hitters. They're used to good pitchers. Use the bob to your advantage. Use the, you know, the ballpark. You're used to it. Use the home crowd if you can. Just do whatever you can. Try and get the wins. This is a really, really important series for Ohio State as much as it is for Maryland. So it's going to be a really, really big battle this year and kind of telling of what's to come the rest of the season. And for this weekend, Zach, at the Bob, three games for the Terps for you. Obviously, it was a huge offensive weekend last weekend, but who would be your pick to click to stay hot this weekend for the Terps? I'm going to go with a pitcher, actually, and I'm going to go with Trevor Levante. You have to look at him. He's had to readjust himself the past couple of weeks. He's always ready to go on Sundays, but had to play on two uh, game two of two double headers on Saturdays the previous two weeks and was a little rocky at times in both of them but both resulted in Terps wins so if they can continue on that trend Trevor Labonte you know the freshman keeps throwing what he's got Terps are going to be pretty good and I kind of like that pitching angle and I'm going to stay there I'm going to go to the Terps Saturday starter I think Zach Thompson is really going to pull it all together this weekend he's had a couple of starts lately you look at that Illinois start Zach a couple of weeks back where Zach Thompson was very good through seven innings. 
or through six innings, excuse me, came out there in the seventh and gave up a two-run homer with two outs in the inning, came back for, out for the eighth, walked the first batter, and was pulled from the game. He gave up four runs over seven innings, but the start was better than that than it even looks in the box score except for just giving up that homer. And then this week he gives up the five runs early, but after that settles down and gets four straight zero innings. I think there's just a couple of pitches for Thompson, and sometimes it's more of even a mind game for him than a stuff game. He has a great fastball that dives down and in on the righties and down and away from the lefties. He And he even says sometimes maybe he overthinks a few pitches, but I think Thompson, if he can get that mindset right, which already is there, I mean, he's such a good pitcher at preparing. He does all the correct things when preparing, taking care of his body to be a great pitcher. And it seems like in these starts, it's just one or two pitches that maybe he looks back on and second guesses. But I think this is the weekend where Zach Thompson puts it all together, makes those big pitches for the Terps, and I think it'll be a big weekend for him. And if we're both right, if Levante and Thompson have a good start, you know what you're getting from Parsons. He's not giving up seven runs again. Terps could be in possible sweep territory over the Buckeyes. And they can only hope so because that would put them in very, very good position for Big Ten play, especially with road series against Penn State coming up after that. So right now the Terps have to use the midweek games to try and get the bats going and then rely on the pitching in the weekend and keep, keep the hitting up. So it's three games this weekend, April 19th through the 21st at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium in College Park between Maryland and Ohio State. Game one Friday night with Hunter Parsons taking the bump is a 6.30 p.m. start. Terps pregame will be at 6 o'clock. The Saturday game at 2 o'clock with the pregame show at 1.30 and the Sunday game, the finale at 1 o'clock with the pregame show at 12.30. You can hear Zach Solon on all three of those games. Unfortunately for me, I will not be able to be on the call this weekend, everything is pretty much okay. I just have to get the wisdom teeth out. This Don't want to be doing much talking after yeah. that one. Trust me, Un- from experience. Unfortunately, couldn't avoid uh, pushing off to after the season. Uh, the teeth really want to come out. So <laughs> getting the wisdom teeth out this weekend, I will be on the mend for the weekend. But expect me back for when the Terps head up to State College next weekend and take on Penn State. But enjoy Zach Solon and a few others this weekend for three games between the Terps and the Buckeyes at the Bob. Again, first pitch on Friday to start the series is at 6.30 for a big Big Ten battle for Maryland. Well, I hope you enjoy Zach Solon on the call this weekend. We hope you enjoy the games, and we hope you enjoyed this episode number 65 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Thanks so much to Randy Bednar, the Terps sophomore outfielder, for joining us, and Keaton Misano from Ohio State for joining us to break down the Buckeyes. So we hope you enjoyed and we hope you join us this weekend for three games between the Terps and the Buckeyes right here on the Maryland Baseball Network.